Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. You're listening to episode 87 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this episode, we're talking about the walls and fences we need to construct to protect ourselves as music teachers. Hi, lovely teachers. So today I want to talk to you about boundaries, walls and fences and protection. Not legally, okay? I'm not talking about legal protection here, so just get that out of the way right away. I'm talking about how we protect our work-life balance and our private time and how we stop ourselves from feeling like teaching is kind of consuming our entire lives. It's very easy for us to actually feel like that because A lot of us work from home, so there's no physical separation. We don't have a boss, so there's no sort of differentiation between what we're doing for our work and running our own lives, right? We're the boss of both in most cases. And so it can feel like it's just seeping into everything we do. And when you really care about something, when you have a job that you're really passionate about, it is going to be more likely to do that than if you have, say, a job that's just a job to you, right? It's not a career, it's not a vocation, it's just a job. You just clock in your hours in the supermarket at the checkout and you don't tend to carry that home with you too much unless something horrible happens like a really rude customer or a terrible situation. But for the most part, you can leave that in the supermarket and only come back into that world when you come back there. Whereas we don't have that kind of separation. But that doesn't mean it needs to take over our entire lives. I got this great email from a member, and I just want to read a little quote from it. She says, I find that it is very easy for my students to consume my thoughts outside of lesson time. The planning, strategizing, preparing, constantly learning new songs, etc. I'm feeling a little resentful because I feel like I'm putting forth way more effort than my own piano teacher did when I was taking lessons. I feel like times have changed, but it could be me overextending myself. And there's so much to unpack in this short quote. So uh, thank you so much for your honesty to the member who sent this in, because it says a lot about several different things. First thing I actually want to address is not the overwhelm part. It's the feeling like your teacher did a lot less than you're doing now and the times have changed thing. So... Firstly, if you feel like you're doing more than your teacher did, I kind of think that's a good thing. 
not in terms of you overworking yourself where your teacher didn't, but if you're trying to be better than the teacher who came before you, I think that's what every generation should be doing. We should be striving for better as new information comes out, as we learn more, and as we progress, and as the world changes, right? Not just better, but different. So I think that should always be true, and I don't think that's a negative thing. Now, in the feeling like times have changed, I think maybe this member is overestimating how much times have changed. And this is easy to do when we live in a world where we're so connected with social media and all this stuff, which is showing us all the changes that are happening. But it's not showing us all the studios where times have not changed. And I promise you, there are tons of those teachers out there who have not really moved with the times. And I don't think that's a good thing, right? So by even asking this question, you're on the forefront of better teaching, which is exactly where we should be. Now, that being said, I don't want anyone to feel overwhelmed and like they're overextended all the time and drained. That's not good. So how can we fix it? Well, there are several things that could be draining your time and your energy. So let's start with what we'll consider to be the basics, but the thing that mm, a lot of people do not have in place, and that is good policies. The good policies have to be there before we look at anything else, because a lot of the time, what's consuming your brain outside of lessons is not even the teaching. It's the business stuff that isn't even necessary. And that is the business issues that are caused by having weak policies and procedures in place. So if you don't already have a good makeup lesson policy, I prefer no makeups, but I will not harp on that bandwagon again. So if you want more about why I believe in no makeups, you can check out the podcast episode on that. We'll link to all the links mentioned in this show at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 87 for episode 87. So if you don't already have a strong makeup lesson policy, a strong payment procedure, and all the other boundaries that we need to put in place, then I want you to read into a bit more about that and put those policies in place because honestly it will make so such a difference if you make the policies and stick to them. That will free up a ton of brain space for most people right there. The next area I want to look at though is office hours. So let's say you have great policies in place, that side is all taken care of, but you're still getting emails at all hours and texts and maybe phone calls. So what do you do about that? How do you separate these different aspects of your life, your work from your home life, if you're still getting communications from your students and they're driving your mind back into the studio at any hour of the day? Well, it's quite simple, really. You just don't let them come through. So first of all, turn off email notifications. I do not have email notifications turned on on my phone. I have my email there, but I move the app several pages along and it only updates when I go into it. So whatever you need to do, you may need to just uninstall the app. I find that's enough of a boundary that if I scroll across several pages on the screen, right, and go into the email, it's with a thought behind it. It's because I'm intentionally looking at my email because I have some time to actually answer people on the go, right? And I want to be able to do that when I'm sitting in waiting rooms or whatever. But you can't have these email notifications popping up 
at all hours of the day while you're doing any other task. Because emails don't tend to actually be urgent. If most things that are urgent come in a text or a call, at least they should. So emails shouldn't be urgent. And there's no reason for you to be reading things when you're not actually replying to them. Okay, so the biggest efficiency upgrade you can make in terms of email is to only actually check email when you have time to write replies, because otherwise you're just doubling up, doubling down on the work you're doing, because you have to read it twice and think about it twice and all the way in between, right? Once we read that email, we're constantly thinking, oh, what will I say to that person? Or how will I answer that? Or when will I get time to answer that? Or, oh, I forgot to put a star on it, now I'm going to forget that I need to answer it at all. So just don't open email unless you're going to be able to reply to it and find a way to reduce the likelihood of you opening it on your phone or on your iPad because you're going to have to use your phone outside of studio time or you probably will want to, right? So you don't want this to be interrupting you. No matter how small the interruption feels or seems, it actually has a big impact on your brain space and how much you're able to disconnect from your work. The other thing you can do is set up a separate phone. Now, I haven't done this mostly because I don't get a ton of calls by the studio. It's mostly email for me. I get some texts, but in general, the notification will pop up on my screen and I will simply not open it if I see it's a piano parent until the next morning. So I'm pretty good at sticking to stuff like that. If you're not, get another SIM card. Honestly, they cost almost almost nothing to have another number. Just have a separate number and have it that you turn off that phone if it's a separate phone or if you have two SIMs in the one phone that you set it up so that it's not coming through at a certain time. Separate it out. There's no such thing as a piano teaching emergency. You do not have to reply to people outside of office hours. So write down some office hours for yourself and find a way to set up all this stuff, the tech and the phone and everything, so that you just don't get those notifications outside of that time, and therefore the temptation is just gone. The other side of this, and I think what the original message was more about, was the planning time and the learning time that we put into our lessons. So let's deal with that next, planning time. I get questions about this from time to time from teachers, actually about my own planning time and how long I spend planning lessons. I know some teachers spend no time, and I don't think that's the right way to go, but some teachers get excessive. You can get completely absorbed in planning the greatest lessons possible, but that's not sustainable. So for me, it takes one to two hours per week. Generally one, but two if I'm putting together a special project or something. And often that's something I'm going to be sharing with VMT members or something like that as well, so it's kind of a crossover time. Generally, a minimum of one hour for all of my own students. Now, I do also have another two hours, which are one hour each for the two teachers that work with me because I do their planning with them in order to help them learn and stay on top of what their students are doing and all of that stuff. So, really, it's a minimum of three hours planning time for my whole studio per week. So, if you're not setting aside any planning time that's specifically designated to that, then I'd encourage you to do that because actually, even though it feels like carving out time when you don't have any, it's going to remove all the time that you're just idly surfing the internet or idly thinking about this and that. 
and put it into one concentrated block of time where you're really supposed to be thinking about that. And you're probably thinking about your students and what you should do with this, that and the other way more than one hour a week. So if you designate that hour, you'll know that that's saved, that's in your diary, you're going to think about it then, you don't have to think about it now while you're fishing or reading or surfing, whatever you do for fun. So that's my planning time. And then on top of that, I would recommend most teachers have at least a half hour, 30 minutes per week that they designate as learning time. So the planning time is specifically for your students and what you're going to do with each student that week or even that month in some cases or whatever's coming up, right? It's that time that you save for actually planning out what you're going to do, how you're going to teach, what they're they're going to do in their lessons. The learning time is more general. This is general professional development time. And this is about watching courses, workshops, or whatever else. You know, watching videos on inside VMT or reading through new resources, that kind of stuff. Now, 30 minutes might not sound like a lot. And it's not an enormous amount of time. But if you, again, designate that 30 minutes per week, that you're actually going to go in and look at the most useful stuff to you, the stuff that you think is going to apply to your students, your studio, and be useful and new information. It'll make you cut down on all of the noise and actually focus on stuff that's going to make a real impact. And the key thing is, it's sustainable. You can find 30 minutes a week, every week. So rather than binging on an entire course and then doing nothing for months and then binging on a whole other course, 30 minutes week after week is where I see teachers have a lot of success with feeling like they're on top of things, feeling like they have enough new ideas and not feeling overwhelmed by the amount of stuff that they could be doing. Because you just can't get to it all. That's the truth of it. So try to focus on your students and not all the possibilities and the ideas. Just think about your students and what's suitable for you and use that 30 minutes a week wisely and if you find okay I have another 30 minute chunk and I really want to watch this other workshop great do that but it doesn't have to be all or nothing it doesn't have to be these huge amounts of time it can be these small digestible chunks of professional development time now there's one other question I wanted to bring up while we're on this topic and it's not going to sound super related but I think that it is and that's the question of are you teaching too much. Because this is one of those things where you ask a certain question, and I don't mean this to the particular member who posted this, I mean it to anyone who's asking these types of questions. Why am I so overwhelmed? Why do I not have time for this or that? Or why am I spending so much time on this or that? Sometimes the answer is further back. And sometimes the question is really, that you should be asking is, are you teaching too much? Because When we don't have enough breathing room and we have too many students, we feel like we're constantly scrambling to plan for all these students and to stay on top of everything and to feel good about what we're doing, that we don't have enough time to spend on ourselves and our personal lives. So I've asked this question many times and maybe some people are sick of it, but I come back to it again and again in so many different conversations with teachers. And that's Could you raise your rates and teach fewer students? Could you be teaching less, making the same amount of money, and be happier? 
I've nothing against studios that are full, but you should have breaks built into your time. And the way to do that in a lot of cases is to raise your rates, because a lot of teachers are just charging too little, and therefore you have to pack your schedule with students, and you're constantly feeling like you're running against the clock. And you don't have to. If you just raised your rates, yes, you might lose a couple of students, but you might be making the same amount and teaching fewer students. And that's easier. <laughs> so that's just a slight aside there, but something to consider if you're feeling this scatteredness or this sense of there being too much stuff going on and too much that you're putting in too much time and that you're overextending yourself when planning for preparing for your students. One more motivation behind this overextension is feeling like you're not good enough. And so I'll also leave a link in the show notes to our post about battling imposter syndrome as a teacher, because that's another question behind this question that could be happening, is that you're feeling like you're not good enough, and therefore you're spending all this time trying to learn as much as possible and be the best possible version of yourself you can be in this sort of frantic manner and it's because you feel like I'm not supposed to be here and if that's you you're not alone tons of teachers feel like that and we have a great article for you so please go to the show notes at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 87 and we'll leave a link there for you to the post about battling imposter syndrome that's it for this week I hope this was helpful for you and will help you to feel more in control of your schedule and find some balance in your life. I'll see you next week. Vibrant Music Teaching is the perfect place to find short nuggets of information, ideas and resources that really work so that you save planning time. Sign up if you're not a member already at vmt.ninja. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.